Hi, welcome once again to Nightlight. Well, we've had some pretty serious topics in recent shows, so I thought today we'll lighten things up a bit and share with you a potpourri of a variety of different songs and inspirations that don't follow any particular theme, but I pray that you'll be uplifted and encouraged by them. Got a lot of great music to share with you, including a new album from Michael Dooley, but let's start with this from Emmanuel Gilligan. talents of Emmanuel Gilligan, who just sent me a whole bunch of songs recently. So happy to have them. It'll take me a while to play them all on Nightlight. Maybe we'll have time for one more later on in the show. I feel all right when I'm listening to Nightlight. Nightlight. You're tuned in to Nightlight. 
Yes, you're tuned into a variety edition of Nightlight with most of the inspirations coming from the latest edition of the Activated magazine, which coincidentally is also a special potpourri edition that doesn't follow any particular theme. And here's the first one I'm going to read you. It's called Playing Ketchup, and it's written by Joyce Sutton. I recently saw a ketchup ad for a famous brand that showed ketchup pouring out of a bottle very slowly, accompanied by the song At Last. It reminded me of being a child and waiting for ketchup to pour out on my hamburger agonizingly slowly. Some brands are watered down and pouring isn't a problem anymore, except for the lack of flavor. Some brands now come in plastic squeeze bottles for impatient folks like me or in small plastic packs that you tear open and squeeze out. But I'm talking about the narrow-necked glass bottles which gave you no alternative except to wait. I remember getting so impatient for my ketchup. I'd try shaking the bottle, then I'd pound on the bottom... Sometimes I even resorted to pushing a knife up into the bottle to get my ketchup. Most often I just have to wait until the ketchup gradually began to pour out in its own time. I overslept the other morning and woke up feeling like I had to pound on that proverbial ketchup bottle. I kept pushing for things to hurry up so I wouldn't be late for an appointment. I even tried shortcuts and raced through yellow traffic lights just to get through. I felt like I was literally playing catch-up. Then I realized that life is like that ketchup bottle. Things move in their own time and... In our impatience, we can shake and pound, but events will pour out as they're meant to. Some of the best things in life are slow. Slow songs, slow sunsets, slow kisses, and even slow ketchup. But you can't lose what you ain't got 
time to smell the flowers and watch the growing grass. Sit yourself down and fill up your glass. Take the time to let the moment last. Slow down, you're moving too fast. You don't have to live each minute as if it were your last. Sit yourself down and fill up your glass. And take the time to let the moment last. And that was Kirk Allen. Encouraging you how very dearly Jesus loves you. You're listening to Nightlight. And the voice that you hear on that jingle telling you that you're listening to Nightlight belongs to dear Tina Cap, who worked with us here in Uganda many years ago. She now lives in South Africa with her husband. And besides managing a hugely successful dance troupe, she's also a terrific, inspirational writer. And she's penned this next piece that I'm going to share with you, titled God Isn't an Elephant. I'm a big fan of Mike Donaghy, the lead singer of 10th Avenue North and host of their video journal on YouTube. He often shares how he receives inspiration for songs he's written or funny stories that help him better understand God and his ways. One of my favorites is where he talks about how God is not an elephant. He knows this, he says, because he met him. Not God, an elephant. When he was five years old, he went to the zoo and saw an elephant for the first time. The elephant put out his trunk, and little Mike thought it was a gesture of friendship. But nope, the elephant then sneezed all over little Mike's foot. Needless to say, he wasn't too fond of elephants after that. He also figured that God couldn't be an elephant. It was only when he got older that he realized how true that was. Not just because of the obvious reason elephants are animals and God is, well, God. And as the old saying goes, an elephant never forgets. Whereas God, in his love for us, chooses to forget our sins when we're sorry and repent. God even describes himself as the one who erases transgressions and remembers your sins no more. It's hard to imagine that God would purposely forget something, especially if we try to put ourselves in his place by imagining ourselves doing the same for those who've wronged us. We may say we've forgiven someone, but sometimes we bury the hatchet but leave the handle sticking out. The saying, burying the hatchet, comes from a Native American tradition where chiefs of tribes would bury a hatchet or a tomahawk signaling an act of peace. If you were to leave the handle sticking out so you could go back and get it if you needed to, that would be like forgiving, but hmm, not completely. I know I'm certainly guilty of leaving the handle sticking out. I'll forgive a friend, but then if we argue or I'm upset at them, I'll bring up that thing they did in the past. Obviously, that's not true forgiveness, and thankfully, that's not how God is toward us. No matter how much we deserve retribution, he sees past that and looks at our heart and our desire to do better. He sent his only son, Jesus, who died on the cross, taking on the sins of the world. Through this great act of love, we are forgiven. He wipes our slates 
completely clean. In Psalm 103, one of my favorites, David writes, The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. An elderly woman was celebrating her 50th anniversary, and a younger woman asked her how she made her marriage work so well for so long. She answered that at the beginning of her married life, she decided to make a list of 10 mistakes that she would always forgive her husband for. The young lady was curious and asked if she could see that list. Well, I never did get around to writing it down, she said. But any time he would do something that would make me boiling mad, I take a deep breath and tell myself, lucky for him, that was one of the ten. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said we should forgive others seventy times, seven times. True forgiveness doesn't keep count. Unlike the elephant, God forgives and forgets.
that's Ray Brannan. By the way, if you go to soundcloud.com, search for Nightlight Shows, you'll see our page there that has over 200 Nightlight Shows, plus playlists of most of the artists that you hear on this show, including around 30 songs from Ray Brannan. One of the biggest collections belongs to Jerry Palladino, who has written and produced goodness knows how many songs over the past 40 or more years. When he was on the show recently introducing his new songs, I also asked him to introduce a couple of his old classics, and I didn't end up having time to include them on that show. So I want to play one of them for you now, and here's Jerry's introduction to one of my all-time favorite songs, Elixir of Love. A Nightlight Classic. That song, Elixir of Love, it's called in English. Uh, I must say the Spanish version I love a lot more than the English one. I made a English one for your radio show, actually, Simon, in those, those days. But uh, I originally got it in Spanish, one of the ones I did write all by myself. And I had to have my friends tweak and put it in correct Spanish. It was also very significant for me, and it was the first time I sat down to write a song. Before then, up to that point in my life, I depended a lot upon inspiration and, you know, something lightning to strike or something to appear out of the blue, and then I would sit down under the inspiration and put put pen to paper. But this was the first time I actually sat down and said, I'm going to write a song on this subject, because it was an interesting subject, but I wasn't, like, moved in any other way than, well, this would make, this should be a good song. It's a little bit like that story I always like to hear about, how the Beatles came up with Can't Buy Me Love, one of their most famous songs. You get all these ideas about how it came about, and it turns out it was, at least I read somewhere on the internet, so it must be true. Uh, they said, let's write a swimming pool. In other words, they wanted to write a song to make make some money and get a swimming pool for their house, or wherever they were living, working. So I just decided, well, I just need to get a song on this subject. So I sat down and I studied, and uh, it's a method I've used quite a bit since then, where you just tackle a theme, you, you gather all the pieces on it and all the things you want to say, and it was the first song I actually wrote, and I didn't just pull down from the heavens. And it's called Elixir de Amor, or in English, Elixir of Love. Somehow I've got to describe it I never saw anything like it I watched it like rain falling down From heaven, from heaven I caught some in the palms of my hands And saw it was a marvelous wonder it could do anything, it could heal everything, a heart, a body, or a soul. It's the elixir of love, the elixir of love. It changes all that it touches. The elixir of love, the elixir of love. Creates new life, mends what's broken. It ends all the wars and brings peace to the land. Stop the wind, just lift your hand 
Just like a gentle mist blowing That can be stopped by no man I saw that in my hands I was holding The most powerful force in the whole world But it couldn't do anything for them For these people who resist it I lifted my eyes toward the world And saw that in all kinds of places It's in the hearts of loving people It's the spirit and power of God's love It's the elixir of love The elixir of love Changes all that it touches The elixir of love The elixir of love Creates new life Saves the old ones It ends all the wars And brings peace to the lands It'll stop the wind Just lift your hand Just like a gentle mist rolling That can be stopped by no man Wow, so nice to hear that one again. An oldie, oldie goldie from Jerry Palladino, Elixir of Love. And Jerry, like a number of my old musician friends who've been sending me songs to include on my radio shows over so many years, Jerry's still writing and producing wonderful new songs. And you'll be hearing one of his very latest later on in the show. It's nightlight. What a delight. And I'm delighted to share with you another of these wonderful inspirations from the Activated magazine, the current issue, which is a potpourri. And this one is called When Jesus Showed Up. And it's written by Chris Misrani. It never ceases to amaze me how Jesus shows up in the dark and difficult places of our lives. One such example is told in Luke chapter 8. Jesus, already being thronged by crowds of people eager to hear his words, is begged by Jairus, a cleric and a man of some importance, to come to his home and heal his dying daughter. Jesus agrees and begins making his way to Jairus' home. As he walks through the busy crowded streets, a woman who's been sick for 12 long years catches hold of his clothing for a moment and the Bible says she was healed immediately. Just then, messengers arrive from Jairus' house saying, It's too late. Your daughter has died. Don't bother Jesus any longer. But Jesus says, Don't fear. Only believe and she will be made well. And so they continue to the house. When they arrive in the midst of great mourning, Jesus leaves the scoffers outside, taking only the girl's parents and a hand-picked few inside, and calls the child to arise, and arise she does. A twelve-year-old girl, no longer snatched away by death, but restored to life. There's a beautiful message in this passage for each of us, that wherever we are and whatever our situation, there is healing and restoration available. The woman who had suffered for 12 agonizing years must have wished for death. 
Instead, Christ gave her a new lease on life in a moment, along with forgiveness and peace. The twelve-year-old girl, whose life suddenly ended before it had hardly begun, was granted a continuation, along with full healing. Jesus still turns to us in the midst of our confusion and says, Touch me and be restored. Crowds of thoughts, voices of doubt, or years of pain and struggles cannot keep us from being recognized by him. All it takes is a moment of reaching out and believing. We might feel like our whole life, our plans, dreams, family, or health has died abruptly and will never rise again. But our Lord knows that we're only sleeping. He holds our hands when we can't lift ourselves, gently calling us to arise and continue on. Feeling tired? Get inspired with Nightlight. Well, as I mentioned earlier in the show, Michael Dooley, down under in Australia, sent me a new album. Mike is the master of a variety of musical styles. His last album was with the Mike Dooley Jazz Ensemble. He's an award-winning composer of film scores. He's written and produced a multitude of classical instrumentals, many of which he's graciously allowed me to use to complement my various devotional readings. And, of course, he's written many of the wonderful contemporary songs in almost every conceivable style, which you've heard on my radio shows over the years. So when I sat down to listen to his new album, I really had no idea what to expect. And it was unexpected, I must say. Instead of his usual very meticulous and smoothly produced music, it's an inspirational gospel album with the singers obviously really enjoying letting themselves go and singing to the Lord.
listening to an international edition of Nightlight, shining God's love light to the world. The Ride, written by Marie Alvero. A few months ago, on a muggy Saturday, our family made the much-anticipated trip to a big theme park. Our teenagers, undaunted by hot sun and crowds, were looking forward to a day adventuring on roller coasters and other adrenaline-surging rides. So as soon as we entered the park, we headed straight for the biggest, loopiest roller coaster of all. After waiting in line for a good half hour, we were all strapped and harnessed into the ride and past the point of no return. The roller coaster picked up speed as it climbed 171 feet high. Then it plunged, looping forwards and backwards at speeds of up to 100 kilometers an hour. This wasn't fun for me. I tried to suppress my panic and visions of death as the rest of my family shrieked with excitement. Two very scary minutes later, we coasted into the loading dock. I can't tell you how happy I was to get out of that harness. Even though I'm not a fan of roller coasters, I can't help but notice how life can sometimes feel like a twisting and turning ride. So much can change so quickly, and we control so little of the experience. Here are a few things my life ride has taught me. I'm not in control. There are twists and plunges I don't anticipate, and soaring heights I can't foresee. I cannot force an outcome or determine the choice of others. I can only control my own attitude and actions. Open your eyes. I close my eyes for pretty much the entire roller coaster experience. Of course, that didn't actually help me be less scared. Sometimes in life we can squeeze our eyes shut, refusing to see the adventure because of fear, stubbornness, or maybe even laziness. We need to open our eyes. Embrace the chaos. Life doesn't always feel like a roller coaster ride. Sometimes it's more like one of those kiddie train rides. Predictable, safe, and easy. I love routine. I love predictable. But in looking back, it's clear that the chaos, the being thrown into the unexpected, was often what produced the richest parts of my life's adventure. Always leave room for discovery. Trust the ride. Roller coasters aren't designed haphazardly by someone with a sketch pad and a hammer. There's extreme precision and skill involved in every phase. Rigorous equations and scenarios and tests are run to prove that the ride is safe. Strict training is provided to every operator and detailed maintenance is logged. The ride is safe, even when it doesn't feel like it. And when it comes to the loops, plunges, twists, and climbs of my life, God has proved to me over and over that He is good. He is trustworthy. He is faithful. When we trust in Him, we are safe. I think I just gave you four good reasons to go ride a roller coaster and also to enjoy the ride of your life. Shining bright in the dark night, you're listening to Nightlight.
Well, the whole world is on a pretty scary roller coaster ride right now with the rapid spread of the coronavirus, with no one really knowing how it started, where it's headed, and how it's all going to end. And this is only one of a number of scary things that are happening around the world. But thank the Lord, Jesus is able to override. That's the title of the second song from Emmanuel Gilligan on today's show.
Even in the face of illness, we have no fear by Drew Reichard. As I write this post, major news organizations are reporting the global spread of the coronavirus with what seems like fear and an increase in alarm compared to just yesterday. The media is broadcasting fears regarding the predicted negative effect on the global economy, the apparent misinformation about numbers of cases, the complex issues concerning everything from vaccination to mitigation. The simple fact is that people are afraid, and for a very real reason. Pandemics like this and the Ebola crisis before it are difficult to contain. They remind us how small we are. But though the reason for fear may be real, there are varying degrees of reality. The resurrection shows us this, that grace is more real than sickness, pain, and death, that the truth of God's love, the giver of life, supersedes the fact of death and will one day abolish it completely. 1 John chapter 4 talks about this reality of love in regards to fear. And I personally sometimes forget how radical this is. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear, because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 1 John chapter 4, verse 16 through 18. We might ask, but what does love have to do with worrying about illness? Because living without fear is simply a way of seeing the greater reality of God's grace and his love for us and trusting in it. This causes us to ask, are we radical enough to apply the knowledge of God's love to the coronavirus outbreak and even the common flu? We can read the endless news stories and find them just about anywhere we look, but I propose we invest some time also in tempering our consumption of terror with a reminder of what the Bible insists about fear. Here are a few of the passages that discuss fear. Therefore we will not fear, though the earth should change and though the mountains slip into the heart of the sea. Psalm 46, 2. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Isaiah 41.10 They will have no fear of bad news. Their hearts are steadfast, trusting in the Lord. Psalm 112.7 Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day. Psalm 91 verse 5. Now, this is what the Lord says. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Isaiah 43, 1. 
Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. Psalm 27, 3. I tell you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body, and after that can do no more. Luke 12, 4. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. We stand upon a threshold looking through an open door Nervous for what lies ahead Unsure of what's in store But glancing back it's plain to see That you were always there That we made it this far By your grace is clear Though we felt at times we fell behind And you had gone ahead You'd pick us up with words of love And encourage us instead so as we embark on this new step, we're trusting as before That you'll lead us where you'd have us be once more You have helped us make it this far, and you never left our side You walked us through the darkness, out into a glorious light When we couldn't see one foot ahead, you urged us to go on you have helped us make it this far And we're trusting you that you'll surely bring us home Except you go before us, we will surely lose our way The road is rough with curves and turns and changes day by day We've learned to trust that you are with us and never very far That the safest place to be is where you are You have helped us make it this far and you never left our side You walked us through the darkness out into the glorious light When we couldn't see one foot ahead you urged us to go on helped us make it this far and we're trusting you that you'll surely lead us home you have placed within our reach everything that we will need so we're off to our promised land holding to your hand you have helped us make it this far and you never left our side us through the darkness out into the glorious light when we couldn't see one foot ahead you urged us to go on you have helped us make it this far and we're trusting you that you'll surely bring us home And that's the very latest from Jerry Palladino as part of his Song of the Month project. Jerry's taking the time to post all of his new songs on YouTube, and they're accompanied by beautiful visuals and text. If you search on YouTube for Jerry Palladino, you'll find all 12 of the songs he produced last year right there. Please do subscribe and share. 
bringing you peace in the midst of the storm. You're listening to Nightlight. A few weeks ago, I did a special show with Stephen Strutt on the coronavirus, which at that time was just getting started in Wuhan with only 51 deaths. We speculated on that show that this crisis would give Christians in China the opportunity to be a witness and a sample of their faith. And I was thrilled when one of our listeners sent me this article written by William Huang, who's a researcher into China and East Asia. This was written on February the 24th, 2020. With the world in turmoil, as the coronavirus outbreak sweeps across Asia and threatens other continents. Christians in Wuhan, at the epicenter, are using the calamity to spread their faith. Their efforts deserve to be recorded as an exemplary example of Christian testimony. On February the 11th, the New York Times China correspondent, Chris Buckley, who has been reporting on the ground in Wuhan since the lockdown and escalation of the outbreak, tweeted that despite the apocalyptic feel of a megacity in quarantine, he was surprised to encounter Christian evangelists handing out gospel leaflets packaged together with face masks. It was a welcome respite from the misery, confusion and anger the city has seen since the start of 2020. A sign of hope, even in extreme circumstances. Mr. Buckley was not the only recipient of these gospel leaflets calling for the conversion to Christ in the middle of this epidemic-ravaged city. A video which has generated 100,000 views on the Chinese social networking app WeChat shows that a group of Christians from Wuhan has been handing out masks and other protective gear their church received from donations across the world. Together with the masks, they slipped in the leaflets Mr. Buckley saw, which quotes John 3.16 and calls for the salvation of souls. A few days later, voice recordings and the writings of the man behind the actions, a Wuhan-based missionary known as Preacher Luo, also started to circulate. In the recording, Luo stated that the street preaching and leaflet distribution has been happening for more than a decade. Not even the virus can stop them from preaching the gospel, he declared, albeit with volunteers wearing protective gear. Luo believes that now is an opportunity to demonstrate God's love and message of hope, as many Wuhan inhabitants suffer from trauma, despair and frustration. His actions have sparked controversy. Some Christians argue that it's dangerous to go out at these times and expose believers to the virus through human interaction. Other Wuhan churches have started operations online to help with the virus and maintain a life of faith for their congregants. Some have set up hotlines for people to call in for help, and others are posting sermons online. A joint prayer committee of pastors was set up under the leadership of Pastor Huang Li, formerly a medical professor and now the head pastor of the Wuhan Roots and Fruits Church. It coordinates online sermons, checks up on vulnerable and diagnosed congregants, and distributes donated goods to assist those in need. The Roots and Fruits Church has ceased all physical gatherings, but through its YouTube channel and WeChat account, 
Pastor Huang released a series of sermons and called for donations and assistance via slickly produced short videos. One of the most widely shared videos calls for all Chinese Christians to engage in fasting and vigorous prayer for at least three days to seek divine intervention in the crisis. Other videos have featured advice on how to continue worshipping online and at home, how to obey God's will in this difficult time, as well as congregants sharing scenes of their worshipping at home with their family, and one winsome clip of a church member singing hymns with his children as he plays the guitar in the relative safety of their apartment. Despite the adversity, the online ministry is updated regularly and congregants use technology to comfort each other. As one of Wuhan's largest house churches, despite all the repression and adversity it has faced since its founding, the Roots and Fruits Church has proved to be amazingly resilient. Prior to the coronavirus crisis, it continued to grow and attract hundreds of professionals and families alike since its founding as a seven-member prayer group back in 2002. Its organization contrasts with the chaos Wuhan saw in the early days of the outbreak, as the coronavirus paralyzed the government and exposed the incompetence of the local authorities. Churches often delivered masks and protective gear accurately and efficiently in the early days of the outbreak, while the rest of China recoiled in horror as the government-sponsored Wuhan Red Cross failed to distribute much-needed resources to the front lines, leaving many medical staff exposed and frustrated. As many N95 masks lie idle in the Red Cross warehouse, or get siphoned off by Wuhan local officials, Preacher Luo and his team managed to deliver 400 N95 masks, 1,000 gloves and 1,000 protective goggles to the Wuhan Central Hospital, the workplace of the deceased whistleblower, Dr. Li Wenliang. Most of those donations were sent directly by overseas believers from Taiwan, Hong Kong and North America. An additional 30,000 face masks were handed out on the street by members of Luo's team in the first week of the quarantine. Besides churches and street preachers, individual Christians in Wuhan have also assisted the sick. As cases skyrocketed from late January, many thousands of patients did not have access to hospital beds. Desperate people were being turned away every day from hospitals. A Christian engineer, whose own family had been affected by the outbreak, used his WeChat public account to post calls for assistance and coordinate information to help them find medication and a hospital bed. For days, China's Weibo was also inundated with individuals posting pleas for help, many of which were scrubbed from the internet after the country's overzealous censors returned to work. However, the engineer had a network of volunteers, many of them Christian, who helped with on-the-ground information and managed to give several families medical assistance. Christians in Wuhan are living proof of the best qualities of humanity. They offer us a glimmer of hope in this world full of suffering and paranoia towards the epidemic. Their composure and efficiency, as well as their love and strength, stem 
from their faith. This time of confusing change, we need an anchor to feel secure again. We're like homesick for something more, but what that something is, we're not really sure. What once was sacred is no longer so. Leaves us aching. For what it can bestow, what once united now divides. It's no wonder that we feel exiled. It's a time for angels like never. Jeremy Spencer, bringing us to the end of this variety potpourri edition of Nightlight. Hope it was a blessing to you, and I'll be back again with you soon. Until then, God bless and keep you and yours.
拜拜。